Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sunshines. You are listening to the Evolpreneur After Hours podcast, and I am your host, Christine Campbell Rappin, and I am on a complete mission to help entrepreneurs make a difference, help them navigate the messy world of startup, growth, relaunch, plot twists, and reinvention. Joining us today, we have another peer, an entrepreneur who's had a great story to share. She's going to be talking about the best practices and concept strategies she's learned along the way in her journey, and we hope it will help you fast track your business. Today's special guest is April Porter. April has a really, I said, fascinating story. She is a business growth strategist and advisor to hundreds of franchisees and is the CEO of Ask April Porter, where she helps franchise owners accelerate their growth and profit in record time. She is an award-winning entrepreneur with a proven track record of success in growth strategy. She has experienced firsthand the joys of building a business that creates the dream life. Now she's fulfilling her mission, teaching franchisees how to fill the gap between the franchise model and the executive level know-how needed to increase revenue, build a reliable team, and scale to multiple locations. So excited to have this conversation. April, welcome to our show. Thank you so much, Christine. So I want to know, because you have this fascinating story of a serial entrepreneur storyline. Did you imagine you would become an entrepreneur? Or how did that unfold the first time you jumped into the world of entrepreneurship? Well, to be quite honest, I think as most entrepreneurs, I've had an entrepreneurial spirit basically my whole life. Um, I always dabbled in little side gigs, but I really started my career as an attorney and practiced for 10 years. Didn't see myself as vacating that for a full-time business ownership. But after 10 years, I took the leap and went into, I, I actually did it through a franchise. I invested in a franchise and the franchise I chose was kickboxing. And it was in, al- in alignment with the side gigs that I had because I grew up as a competitive dancer and then that led to teaching dance, which led to teaching fitness. And so it all comes full circle. But um, that's how I got into it. So I'm curious about the world of franchisees because it, it is one of the most accessible ways to get into business and it takes some of the uncertainty or unknowns off the table. Who is the right kind of person to thrive in in a, in a, in a franchise type model as you see it, having been one and now mentor those in that space? There's three types of franchisees, as it turns out. One is the franchisee who gets in and they apply the business model and there's only so much the franchisor can teach you. They're really there to teach you what is the product and service, what makes it special, how to use it in the daily operations, how to how to sell it, and then how to deliver it to the customer. And some franchisees get in and they get through all of that training and they hit a plateau and they sit there and they're like, well, when's the franchisor going to teach me the next piece of the puzzle? which is really how to be a business owner. And they will become paralyzed with just waiting for the franchisor to give them the next piece. And that those are generally the people who are like kind of treading water. They're breaking even. Maybe they're a little profitable, but that they're in the middle of the pack. And then we have the franchisees at the bottom of the pack. Those are the visionaries that can't get over following somebody else's model. So when they hit the plateau, they immediately think, oh, the model's broken and I have all these ideas and ways to do it better. So I'm going to try all of my ideas and do it better. 
but yet they're not learning anything new. They're not filling in any of the gaps of what they don't know. And so they end up plateauing. They just do it off brand, which makes the franchisor mad. (laughs) (laughs) And then you have the top franchisees and the top franchisees go through that same process. But when they hit the plateau, they're the visionaries that say, oh, I kind of see what just happened here. And I recognize that I'm going to need to go outside my franchise and get executive coaching or higher level um, knowledge that I just don't possess in this moment. And when I get that higher level level knowledge, it's going to help me scale. So there's really not a right answer to who the best person is before they come into the franchise. My encouragement would be once you're in a franchise, be aware you're going to hit that plateau and be aware that it's going to be up to you, not your franchisor, to get you out of that plateau. And investing in yourself is going to be the avenue to getting you out of that plateau, not investing in another tactic, marketing tactic or operational tactic or something like that, but actually investing in up-leveling yourself. I think there's a great insight for everyone, not just in the franchise community, but you need to evolve as the business owner. And where you may start with some great foundations or the the recognition that plateaus happen in every industry, in every season. And to move them forward, you must invest in your own growth. And that is something you must plan for. I'm curious in the world of the franchise puzzle, is it encouraged to step outside to hire someone like yourself or is it discouraged? Do they even know it's an option? Currently, right now, it's kind of a non-topic, and that's one of the things we're hoping to change. It's my goal to make such an impact on the franchising industry that in the FDD, which stands for the Franchise Disclosure Document, and that's a document every franchisee or potential franchisee must be given to review before they would sign on the dotted line. And it includes a bunch of disclosures, including how much you should expect to budget for um, expenses and growth. Right now, it includes things such as rent, utilities, insurance. It will talk about professionals, but specifically attorneys and CPAs that you need to kind of budget to use. It's my goal that in FDDs, we also have a line item that encourages people to have um, a budget item for professional development thereby putting everyone on notice that you are going to have to get this in your career if you want to live that life you truly envisioned mm-hmm. as a business owner. Um, so so right now, it's not really a topic of discussion, and that's where a lot of that miscommunication comes from and the assumptions happen that get people off track. I love that. I think every business right here should take the note because this is not just about the franchise. You should be in your fiscal planning. Yes, absolutely lawyers, absolutely accountants, people that have expertise and things that can really get you offside fast, but also plan for professional development. I think that's a gold nugget for sure, because you do have to evolve and your business will evolve. So I'm curious in today's climate, what are some of the biggest challenges your clients are facing as franchises, the small business owners? What is, what is the real thing that's stagnating that growth or leading to plateaus in the field? Um, The biggest thing that's leading to the plateau is the fact that most people are coming into business ownership having been an employee for someone else. And they're bringing all the the employee habits with them into business ownership. So when they they might wear the title 
of business owner, but they get in and they get their hands dirty and they start doing all the things and they're doers, right? They're the taskmasters who um, do all of the operations. And what I'm always telling people is that when you decide to become a business owner, your job is no longer providing your product or service to the end customer. Your job is actually growing the business. That is your job. Like under your job description, it should be grow the business. That's all you're supposed to do, which means you have to be able to delegate and you have to have a team. So many people have never had to. Um, I don't even like the word manage people because I think that's a misnomer as well. But no, but a lot, a lot of fr- new franchisees, new business owners have never had a team or been an employer of others. And so they don't really know what to do in order to be able to trust their employees so that they feel comfortable delegating to them. And that the reason that I don't like the word manage is because I think that's more about development. You have to understand how to develop employees so that they are empowered to take on more responsibility and for them to learn and to evolve so that they can handle higher levels of responsibility. I think for sure hiring people is one of the scariest bits of business growth, and it is a necessary part of the journey. And your comment there, which is, if all you want to do is the service delivery, you're best elsewhere employed than than necessarily running that growth engine, which is the business entity separate from the delivery of service. And I know we see tons of articles around every newspaper, every outlet, that staffing is such a challenge. The connection between fewer workers, uh, higher expectations, and yet so many local small businesses with help wanted signs on their doorstep. Talk to me a little bit about how you see that challenge in the marketplace and how you might guide somebody to finding a better match to solve the riddle of expansion, which requires team. Right. So I think so often we hear a lot about hiring in alignment, you know, hiring not just somebody who could perform the job duties themselves, but someone who really buys into the culture, who believes in the mission, who has that, quote, work ethic, which really comes with wanting to see the mission fulfilled. And I think that's an easier piece Um, When you're small and starting out, finding those people who are excited to go on this journey with you and to fulfill your mission. What I think is um, not talked about as much is as you expand and as you evolve as a business owner, as the business grows, the strategies you're putting in place are different. You, You adopt a higher level of strategic thinking. You're evolving. If you're not developing your employees to evolve at the same rate as you, there ends up becoming a gap between where you're going and where they're capable of going with you. And that creates friction. It's not that they're bad people. In fact, fact, some of them you may love like family. We always hear small business owners say, oh, my team is like a family, right? Wonderful people. But not everybody is going to have the desire to do personal development at the same rate or or even in the same direction. And when when there is a different speed or a different destination for personal development, gaps happen. 
those gaps tend to manifest themselves subconsciously. People don't necessarily notice the gap is happening. What they notice is that they're not agreeing as much anymore. They're not as satisfied with their employees' performance. Things are getting on their nerves that didn't get on their nerves before. And many times when I say their nerves, I'm talking about the employees. The employees are reacting emotionally to things, whereas the business owner is like, I don't understand why this is an issue. It's business. It's simple. We have a policy in place. Why? I, I don't understand. Or I, maybe I do understand why you're getting emotional, but I'm not really on board for the big emotional reaction to something that's as simple as a black and white policy. And that's where you start to notice that gap in emotional intelligence and personal development, which can cause friction. And then that's an indication. It's not that you originally hired the wrong person. It's that you've outgrown them. I think managing the staff dynamics is one of the hardest challenges. And many business owners go into it without necessarily any direct people management experience. And it's equally challenging to first lead yourself in a growing role that you you know can't forecast what six months from now it's going to look like. To also then, of course, having the care and responsibility for someone's day-to-day support, day-to-day income. And um, people often can can hold off hiring. When do you think is the time to start to look at expanding team or bringing in somebody with a different capacity to grow and evolve? What kind of advice would you give to somebody who's kind of at that crossroads of like, I don't know when, I'm scared of the complexity of this, but can I go on doing this on the overwhelm or the high rate of tasks that are sitting on my plate I know I can't live with day to day? Yeah, I think that one, this can be one of the scariest pieces of business ownership is taking that first foray into hiring somebody else to support you. And honestly, for the first few hires, it continues to be scary. The advice that I would have is that when you start to feel that, when you start to have that little tingle in the back of your mind of like, should I hire? Should I not hire? The reality is it's probably past time when you should have hired. (laughs) (laughs) So that tingle is telling you that you're seeing the, again, I'm going to use the word gap. You're seeing the gap in your operations that needs attention and you recognize it, but you're just scared to take the action to fill it. So when you, when you feel that way, you need to tell yourself, okay, the tingle tells me I already should have hired. So that means every day that I avoid this, is another day I'm further behind the eight ball. The faster you can get that employee in place and trained up to support you, you're going to be more efficient. You're going to be more productive. Because why? You have four hands instead of two. There's only one of you. There's only so many hours in the day. And the only answer for you to become more productive is to work more or hire a second set of hands. That's such a scary place. And I know I've often done that reality check on your business model. How many more hours can you realistically handle, want to have, and sustainably do at the very best level that keeps your clients served at a very high level? So I'm curious, 
you know, there's so many great nuggets in there for the franchisees. I want to shift gears here and talk a little bit about your own journey because you've been in business less than two years in this new capacity of the franchise uh, mentor or advisor. Um, tell us a little bit about your journey. What did you expect the biggest challenge would be as you jumped in to building your business? Oh, for this business, this non-franchise business that is online, it is a completely different beast than what I did. I mean, I grew my storefront franchise locations to four locations in less than three years. I mean, we were rocking and rolling. I had a team of 25. So going from that into the online business, I really expected um, the hardest part to be understanding marketing and acquiring customers on more of a national and international level rather than my local, you know, three mile radius that that my individual location served. It's kind of what I expected. But I, again, I think that the biggest learning curve for me is the difference in the types of employees that I need and figuring that piece of the puzzle out particularly as a newly growing employee uh, um, business. And I, I don't think that we're unique to this, but so often we hire based on, you know, what my mentor who was teaching me how to run an online business, how they structured their company and, and what, and what types of employees they had in place to support them. And I'm like, okay, that's what we'll need too. Then once you get in it and you have that, you're like, eh, this doesn't feel quite right. You know, we need to make some shifts, change some job duties around, get maybe you adopt, you start working on A and B and I'm going to move C over here to this other employee and we're kind of trying it on. And um, it's like trying on outfits, you know, for the perfect date night. You got to try a few on and just keep experimenting. And I guess that's probably the biggest lesson is really embracing the fact that it is your business. And ultimately, you have to feel really good about the way that it's running every day or your your employees aren't going to feel good about it. Your customers aren't going to feel good about it. And the public who you're trying to make an impact on as well, both to pull in prospects, but also because when you're running an online business, we're not just out there to help the people who are paying us. We're out there to help anyone who would want to learn from us. So... It, for all those people to feel good, you have to feel good in the structure and the way that you're running it and, and the way that um, you're building it. So you've come from the world of franchise. You really understand it, which I think is awesome because so many times we, 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 we need to leverage our shortest shortcut in business is to leverage somebody else's um, experience. And you're right. Even if that experience is a near match to what you particularly want to do for your business. I'm curious you know, when you're in the franchise model, you've got very clear measures of success, certainly from a revenue, you know, does the store stay open? Does it not? Does it get supported up or supported down? Um, how do you look at success in your own business? Because you don't have those set barometers, you've defined them for yourself. Talk to me a little bit about what that vision looks like. Oh, it's so funny that you asked me this question, because we're kind of known for it. So what I define as success is an anagram that is swag. And it stands for sanity, wealth, and gratitude. So that's one thing we talk about with our clients all the time is, what does sanity look like to you? For most of my clients right now, they're kind of living in chaos. They're, they're short-staffed. It feels like their hair is on fire. They're working nights and weekends, right? And okay, well, what would sanity look like? Working 20 hours a week? 
five hours a week? What are you doing with the rest of your time? How does it feel? How does it feel to be able, you know, to just go to breakfast with your girlfriends or, um, you know, do a hobby that you truly, truly love and fills you with joy? And if that's what sanity looks like, then that's what we're working toward in that column. Wealth. What does wealth look like? What does wealth allow you to do? What experiences can you have? Um, and then gratitude. What does it, gratitude look like? Living in a state where you're truly content and happy and feel blessed and, and thankful and able to give back philanthropically instead of fearful that, you know, failure is only three months away if, or maybe I won't be able to make payroll if I can't make another big sale or all these other things um, that business owners are dealing with on a daily basis. So we kind of want to take an inventory of everything that's happening in the business that we don't want any longer and what do we want it to look like? And then that's where we start mapping out the plan. So I try to embody that myself um, and really stick to that. And one of the ways I do that is by going um, on vacations about four times a year with my husband, just getting away and unplugging and being really content and present in the um, personal time that we have. I love that. So we've been inspired by swag, been inspired by the fact this is really about the lifestyle you want. And I give you a huge prop for those four vacations a year. That's certainly something that's been, you know, my expectation in my business as well, because it is not about working yourself into the ground. And yes, you need mentors and yes, you need guides. My final question as we we bring our conversation to a close here is what's, you know, talk about personal development and that needing to be aligned on your business expense and investment strategies. Where is the next big piece that you want to learn about to bring your business, to accelerate your business, and to continue to see the growth that you're forecasting in your journey? Oh, yeah. So the next thing I want to learn about, I'm, I'm, I feel really comfortable already with growing this business, even expanding into multiple businesses. So I want to look more at higher level investments, getting involved you know, on advisory boards of companies that I'm invested in and things of that nature to have multiple revenue streams. Um, and being able to contribute at a higher level. I love it. We have a big visionary here. Guys, this is April Porter joining us today. This is another amazing episode of the Evolvepreneur After Hours program. Couple of things before we go. If you've loved our episode, we would love a five-star review. And if you are an entrepreneur who wants to share their story or no one, get in touch with us because we'd love to bring you in onto our program to talk to us and share your insights. And one final thing, be sure to subscribe to future episodes. You can do that here. And if you are an entrepreneur, today is the perfect day to stop, spend some time and think about for your business, what is your swag factor? Thank you very much for being a guest on our show today, April. We will see you on our next episode. Thank you.